Stafford completes to Bold into the end zone. Touchdown! From WDBM East Lansing, you are listening to The Chant, an Impact exclusive. This is your source for the latest in music and sports news from Michigan State and the rest of the world. Rock and roll! Now, here are your hosts, Hikaru Kudo and Justin LaBelle. What's up, everybody? I still cannot get enough of that intro. <laughs> it's a really damn solid intro there. Shout out to Max Murphy for that uh, amazing intro from the audio Max team. Max Murphy, you uh, beautiful human. He's working Thank on you. some promos for us now, too. So. Is he? Yeah, Ooh. so a bunch of stuff. If you guys uh, listening to Impact89FM or Impact89FM.org slash listen live, you can, you can hear uh, some promos of the chant as well. So share the word out. Uh, remember, we're on Facebook Live, on live right now. Uh, as we're recording it, we're hopefully back to this time slot, but so yeah. going over the place because I have work and you know other yeah, stuff. Yeah, work ends up coming on into the picture. Quite All a that bit for jazz us here. that's happening. But yep. anywho, uh, Justin and I, we got a we got a slate of stuff going on here. Yeah, we got tons of topics. We're <laughs> tons be of topics into, going on yeah. here. We'll 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 get to we'll dive straight into it because it's going to be another uh, one of those. You know, sorry if we sound a little less energetic than usual. By the way, uh, I know on my end. I've been busy as all heck right now. Uh, I've been going back and forth, and literally every weekend this week, I'm heading back home for something. So it's a lot of work on my end. And Hikaru just woke up. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, basically. So, I just woke up. Uh, I've been having like 3 a.m. nights right now, working on a bunch of stuff. My parents probably yell at me, but you know, it's yeah. college. Um, yeah, yeah college just a happens. lot of work catch up. I got an uh, entire package to edit for class tomorrow. Um, I did on Connor Lynch, which is he's one of our directors here at Impact as well. But anyways, enough chit chat. Let's get straight into it. So Google Spinners determined sports will be going first. Finally, sports is going sports, first. Sports. <laughs> but anyways, um, I'll announce my topic in just one second. Afterwards, Absolutely. Justin. Afterwards, we're going to be going into the discussion of hologram musicians in the light of Dio going back on tour soon. Uh, if you don't know Ronnie James Dio, huge rock metal icon, uh, we'll go into a little bit more of that and some of the ramifications of having hologram artists perform their old songs. After that, we are going to go into a little bit of what Hikaru is bringing up to the table, which is... We're going back to Formula One. Formula Chinese One. Chinese Grand Prix this weekend in Shanghai. Ooh. I didn't touch on this last week, even though I wanted to, because I knew I had to touch on MLB Baseball. Yeah. We'll be hopping back and forth. Folks, I do want your uh, opinion, if you guys like, when I talk about, you know, F1, I know Formula One, I know not a lot of people in the States, at least, are fans of it. Um, and any kind of stuff Habits. I want to c- cover because I don't want to be repetitive of just MLB baseball, for example, yeah. until we get into postseason. Obviously, that's that's a different story. But anyways, Formula One Chinese Grand Prix this weekend. I still want to do a reflection of the Bahrain Grand Prix as well. A lot of stuff happened in the later half of that race. Yeah, so absolutely. want to talk about that as well. But then to wrap up the show, Justin, we're going to be going into a discussion of uh Something that I ended up seeing on the internet this week, uh, it's not necessarily a recent topic, but it's one that uh, really piqued my interest, and it is the discussion of PC music, what it means, what artists are what does it around. Mean? Uh, it's not what you think. It's not politically correct music. Okay. It's Fair. not that. Fair. Okay. <laughs> it, if I had to put it literally, it legitimately just means PC music personal computer music so i guess we'll, we'll just have to wait for more information absolutely on that but it, it's quite a fascinating thing i was oh going, i bet it was one of those late night youtube video binges and i'm like 
I I feel like I could talk about this a little bit. <laughs> Goodness but, uh, gracious. It's it's reemerging and emerging back as of like the late 2010s here. So it's a uh, it's a good topic to start going over and wrapping up the show with. But, yes, sir. But hey, first off, first off, we're oh my boy. kicking off the show <sighs> with the saddest story it's, we have uh, to break. One shining moment. Yeah, I guys, I can't lie to you. I I cried when I watched that when you know when they released that when March you know NCAA yeah. released that. I was crying in my room. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, I am telling you, this is this was is the greatest season when it comes to college basketball. And yes, Michigan State wasn't in the finals. Did yeah. I watch? Of course, I watched it. Congratulations to the Virginia Cavaliers. I mean, this this is a phenomenal story in the making. Is it? Yes, because you're cause going did, from you're the, going uh, from a number one seed last year. First team ever to fall to number 16th seed UMBC. Right? Yeah. Last year. And then you look at the path that this Virginia team took, which granted it's not it wasn't, you know, the hardest path in the world. No. No. But not by any but, means. I mean, let's just let's just look at this, all right? So first round, okay, easy stuff. Second round, Oklahoma, great. But then Virginia just beats Oregon by four. Beats Oregon. Purdue by five, right? And then goes to the final four, nearly falls to Auburn. Yeah. And then beats them 63-62. Which some would argue Which, as well as myself. That's an entire topic we yeah. could talk about if you folks want to. There's a whole lot of shade going on there for why Auburn should have won instead. But I'll let that slide for now. There's, you know, the the crossover that should have been a double dribble. Mm-hmm. You know, was that final shot from the corner a foul? Mm-hmm. You know, and because yeah. it wasn't, that, you know, that changed literally the outcome of the game. I'll tell you what, honestly. Uh, Hikaru and I went on out with uh, Mr. Mark DiMartini. Uh, we ended up going to Buffalo Wild Wings on the game night, watching the both of the games live right there and then. And for me, not being too much of a basketball guy, I can tell you from those calls that got missed there, it is a huge kudos to Virginia for doing what they could and going on to win the championship. But it's, I, I, it's some shade, man. I, it's, it's some shade, and the the rule analyst, and it carried over into and, the and state the, game. And the, and, <laughs> the rule analyst, they did say. Technically speaking, that's a double dribble, but but in that specific situation and instance, it's a 50-50 whether they'll call it or not. Just because if you look at the replay, if you folks haven't seen it, you could look it up. It hits the back of his ankle. It was really weird. Yeah. Every year, every March Madness, there's some weird thing that goes on. And this was like the one. I thought the weird one was us taking out Duke, honestly. I thought that was going to be and as I, weird you as know it what, gets. You know what? And then Final Four came on in. Hey, and you know what? You know, I, I talked about this last week, too. I yeah. talked about this last week, too. But I knew this Michigan State could do beat Duke back in the league. This is old talk now. Yeah. <laughs> if Only if, if they were playing lights-out basketball, which they were. And Kenny Goins was like—he like, wasn't lights-out, but he you know, shot the three when he needed to. Yeah, absolutely. The more— and that, that was the issue with Michigan State Texas. We'll touch on a second, but back to the Virginia Auburn game. Yes. Yeah. 
I thought that foul called at the very end with the three-pointer that basically changed the outcome of the entire game. I thought that was weak. I thought that was weak. I thought there were so many weak calls in the game. It was ridiculous. But that's my opinion. You folks can put your opinion um, on social media using hashtag the chant on uh, Facebook and Twitter. If you're on Facebook Live, share your opinion. Let us know what you guys think. Yeah, there um, were quite a few weak calls through that game. But, and Michigan State, Texas Tech as well. Yeah, but quite but quite frankly, if it's better to have weak calls than have no calls no. at all. No, 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 no. Well, no, 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 no. Stop making this excuses that every single amateur basketball fan. Hey, that, hey no, hey, you just heard no. me complain about the last couple no, games here no. for the Final Four that we both watched. I don't normally do that. No, but hey, listen to me. You're just... Michigan State plays I watch, right? I have been following... I watch the same game as you, No, but I have been... This is what I want to do as a career. I follow teams. I, you know, do analysis on stuff. That's what I want to do as a career. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, they're just weak calls. There's no... I don't... I'd rather be called weak than no... No, no, no. It's you make the right damn call or you don't make the call at all. True, but... That's... That is simple. It's simple. And you know what? Uh, my professor, Elliot Dickerson, great woman over at Communication Arts and Science at Surrey Sports Journalism class said this as well. But I'm just the 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 officials, it's just they're it's just stupid. It's just the yeah. weak calls are it's just stupid. Yeah, but I at this rate there's no sense of complaining about it as and uh, no, no, I know that someone in our chat is talking about that, the missed calls, the <laughs> no whining about missed calls that ended up coming on in. But And you know, you can argue. And you, it's fair. You, hey, but you can argue that's part of the sport, you know, part of playing athletics. Yeah. Here's my argument. If you got replay, you gotta improve. And that's the one thing that she was, you know, LA Dickerson was talking about as well is replay. Replay is horrible. Yeah. Horrible. I mean, I'm gonna throw it up back to super you know, uh to the uh NFC championship game with the Saints. That was a horrible no call. And then, you know, that's what it took for the NFL to change, you know, hey, here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. And you know what? The NCAA has to do the same because it is ridiculous how bad that, like, how bad replay is. There, yeah. you know, no call. Oh, we can't look back at it. Oh, there is a call. Okay, we can look back at it if there's a foul. You know, it's, it's just it's just stupid and ridiculous. But anyways, yeah. anyways, I still want to give the shining moment to the Cavs because – that's what they did was re- it's it's special. Yeah, absolutely. you go from the entire nation saying y'all suck, number one ranked team. How do you fall to a 16th ranked team a year ago? To mm-hmm. getting a win here, being down 14 seconds left, win five seconds left, win. You know, you know, you play the ball game right, get the right foul yeah. calls, win, go to the championship game. Texas Tech comes back. And that's goes a fair the, point in terms goes of the, the overtime. Really goes do... to overtime. Yeah. And then win. Just saying. Yeah. They play a really good late game for what it's worth. For um, sure. And you know, just credit to Virginia and yeah. the, the, the 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 entire the entire squad, man. Yeah. It um, might it might sound like we're complaining here, and, but it and, was a well no, deserved and Tony and Tony Bennett and Tony Bennett deserves that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the first one for the school. I mean, I think that's the other special part of this uh championship game was it was First time for both of these teams to go to the championship game. Um, mm-hmm. And Virginia to win it. Yeah. 
just so, to make it into the final four for the well, any actually, of those was, teams and, 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 and to go on. And, and, and that's what it was. But back now, now, now that we touched about the big topic, you know, in the hole, yeah. now I gotta go back to Michigan State. And just as Justin said earlier, Justin and I were both, um, we were both watching the game at beatups. Yeah, and Justin can preach for me when I went ballistic. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was kind of concerning since we were in the middle of this giant public place. And Hikaru, if you know him, he uh he's not afraid to share his opinion once you get to know him. But outside of that, he's very like I'm not reserved. And you know what? You know he what? He was standing up and screaming in the middle of this. Buffalo I was Wild literally Wars, I man. was screaming. <laughs> I was going. I was decked out in my whiteout. We were ready to go out you, of a you party. Do not, you do not mess with this man in his Michigan State. No, basketball. you do not mess with. <laughs> Me with sports, period. But I'm telling, yeah. it was it. Was, ready? I am so ready. Number thirteen for Texas Tech, the stupid freaking guard he Matt was a, Mooney he was, was shooting lights out. I swear to you, every dang three three pointer he shot, he made it. I'm, I I don't know what kind of robotic arm that dude has, but if he isn't like prospected sometime in the NBA here for something. Okay, ready? So I, I'll go ballistic. Here's here's Mooney's numbers for you just to yeah, please just me. to throw you some sh- you know stuff, okay? Well, he was 8 for 16 from the field, so he made 50% of his shots. Um Jeez. but he got 22 points in that. 22 points. 22 points. That's a really huge number. And 4 for 8 from the three-pointer. Line, which we all know it's the second half. That he yeah. just kept shot, shot. <laughs> Every- oh, I'm just gonna shoot another three point, and it's gonna go away. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, screw you, Mooney. I mean, you. You're- I didn't even know he made four out of eight. I thought it was eight out of eight with how many he was sinking right. No, over he there. was struggling the first half. Was he? And no, that's. I mean, the team itself. I mean, if you yeah. recall the game, the team itself was struggling in the first half. Both teams, Michigan State, literally yeah. could not it was figure. A very Michigan slow State beginning. could not figure out how to penetrate the low post until Nick Ward came in. Yeah. And well, after having foul trouble, Nick Ward came in, and he finally figured out a way to cut in. I mean, it reminded me a lot of the Syracuse game last year at Michigan State. Yeah, a lot of it because they couldn't figure out a way to come. It, and that's why Michigan State lost. If you folks want one reasoning why Michigan State lost, it's because they couldn't penetrate the defense, and they did it too late. They did it in the second half, and they just didn't want it as much as Texas Tech did. And it's really hard when you're going up against a team that is their first time making the Final Four. It is really hard yeah. in school history. It is so hard to go against a team like that. Tom Izzo, 2-for-8 now in the Final Four. This man, Hall of Fame coach, last time they won the championship was 2000. We were both alive. Yeah. Babies, both alive. But I'm telling you, it's tough. It is tough when you get to that level. And credit Texas Tech for beating Michigan State by 10 points at the end of the game. Now, if I remember correctly, that 2000 game was also the lowest scoring first half I believe. up until this year, right? I remember seeing a statistic about uh, the this first half of the MSU-Texas Tech game, and the last lowest scoring game in the Final Four was a Michigan State versus Wisconsin game. In the two thousands. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was Scott. Yeah. That that's yeah, that's and no, there were tweets out there. I forgot who tweeted out, but there there were tweets out there. There like you know they're like, well, this reminds me exactly of the Wisconsin game. You know, 
like you said, and that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michigan State, the Spartans didn't have the greatest defense per se, but Texas Tech is more of a defense-oriented team than an offense-oriented team. One of the greatest defenses in the entire nation. They showcased that. Yeah. And in the second half, I got to tell you, first half, first off, they did a great job literally limiting the perimeter. Michigan State had no way to penetrate it in. Until Nick Ward started making those deep cuts in the back, they didn't. Aaron Henry didn't know what to do in the low post. Xavier Tillman was struggling all game long. Yeah, he was. Which, by the way, I ran into X yesterday in Communication Arts and Sciences, so it's pretty cool. Don't, but, don't need to brag or anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, but anyways, um, to, to me, to me, it was because the team as a whole, the Red Raiders as a whole, wanted this win so bad over Michigan State, yeah. and they played like it. And Michigan State didn't really get their gears going until the second half, which this team normally doesn't till, right? Yeah. That's why when I when they were down by two at the end of the first, I wasn't really concerned yet. It's just in the second half when they when Texas Tech started going on a run, especially at the end of the game, right? And the moment I knew Michigan State lost it was when yeah. Matt McQuaid shot that three-pointer from the corner, and it didn't go in. Yeah. When he no. literally always makes that shot at the end of the game. And that's when I knew. Yeah. That's it. That's the game. Um, because I, I think it was a really odd thing for them as well. They they really seemed like they were thrown off their game with how good that Texas Tech defense was. I think Michigan State. They had not them, just as a they team. They had them literally everywhere at that point. No, not Michigan State. Not just as a team, but also as a community. Yeah. Overall, underdetermined how good Texas Tech was. Oh, absolutely. Because Texas Tech is one of, if not the greatest defense right now mm-hmm. in the nation. And a lot of people, including myself, was worried that the Texas Tech-Virginia Cavaliers game was going to be, you know, low scoring again. Yeah. Because they're two defensive teams. But that scoreline was 85-77 in the final. and That became an entertaining game. Versus a Michigan State game that was 61-51 in the, you know, final four, right? Yeah. But yeah. regardless, regardless, I, regardless, I think, I mean, just the numbers say it all, honestly. Matt McQuaid, 12 points. Cassius Winston, 16. He didn't get his caliber, 20 points. Nick Ward had five for the night. Gabe Brown, uh, Gabe Brown came in for 14 minutes. He couldn't really get anything going, which I think that was another issue. Um, Kenny Goins had nothing for the night, man. He had seven defensive rebounds, eight total, couple assists, and a block. But yeah. offensively, zero for four from the field, and they were all three pointers. A- Aaron Henry, eleven points. He didn't get going as well. We yeah. at this point, and nothing against Aaron Henry because this kid is a f- true freshman that is going to go place in this program. Absolutely, he he is going to be the guy who's going to support Xavier, and who's going to support uh, Nick Ward mm-hmm. down low. So Aaron Henry, this kid has shown what it is in postseason. But only got 11 points when he can probably manage to gain 15 or so now at this point, yeah. even in a caliber game like this. Xavier Tillman, that struggled a lot. When X only had seven points for the night, right? Mm-hmm. Eight rebounds, five defensively, three offensively, which means he created more opportunities. But from the field, he was two for six. Yeah. Two for six from the field. That's an issue. When you go from the low, you know, 
the low paint off the window and you, you can't make those baskets, yeah. that's going to start um, chunking down at you. Absolutely. And it's a lot of that pressure that ends up coming on into play when you start looking at and I'm just gonna keep, how that game was I'm just going to keep going down the list. Matt McQuaid, 12 points for the night. We all know McQuaid can get 18 points easily, right? Mm-hmm. Look at this three-point three, three point percentage number. Three, three out of seven for the night. He didn't even get make 500. Yeah. McQuaid at least makes 500. Four for 11 from the field. Matt was having a bad night when it comes to shooting. And then Cassius, ready? Yeah, four Cassius. for sixteen from the field, two for eight from the three point line, and sixteen points. Mm-hmm. This team struggled, and the reason why they struggled is because they did not see Texas Tech coming. And you know what? Remember how last week I said there had to be clean pick and rolls too. That's going to be one of the keys. Yeah, handful of fouls, literally top of the key pick and roll foul called on Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman, you name it. And I told you if yeah. they didn't play clean pick and rolls, they're going to make uh. Unforced turnovers, and that's exactly what happened. That's literally exactly what. Um, yeah, they had lots of bad fouls on them, and like you said, that underestimation on Michigan State part. had eleven total turnovers. Yeah. Now, granted, Texas Tech had seven, but Michigan State didn't even half of the time they didn't even take advantage of it. So, ultimately, I think Texas Tech Rep Raiders wanted the win more. Yeah. And, and as a Spartan myself, right, watching yeah. this game. <laughs> You know, I was tearing up, right? I was getting frustrated. But at the end of the day, you got to give credit to Texas Tech because as much, you know, as more entertainment maybe be for an offensive game, at the end of the day, defense wins games. Yeah, and Texas Tech had a great defense going into they that did. game. And you know what? Virginia and Texas Tech, that was a great effort as well. But at the Virginia just yeah. had the talent. They had the high caliber. And again, that, that number 13 on Texas Tech's team, like, again. Mooney? If he, yeah, Mooney. If he doesn't go pro, man, I don't know what he's going to do. But that four for eight from there in that comeback at the last half of the game on their part as well, huge. But Like, I remember screaming about that guy over there just because of how insane all of those four out of eight shots were, apparently. Because, uh, again, I thought he made – Every single one. No, Mooney, 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 for the last, I believe, like 15 yeah. minutes, he was just lights out. Yeah, exactly. He, no, he struggled for the first half, but. He did, in, and in then the he found that groove and went on but, in there. And to sink that many baskets alone on his end is just amazing. So, And for, you know, I, I think for this team, and, you know, according to inside reports that, um, and uh, I believe uh, ESPN reported on it, um, as well mm-hmm. as uh, CBS Sports, um, as well as other news outlets, uh, Izzo in the locker room um, said that you know most of the team's coming back. Yeah. Next year, because you're just losing McQuaid and Kenny Goins. Yeah. So, and you got you know a guy like Rocket Watts coming in, um, which is going to be a great um, complimentary to Cassius Winston, which means Foster Lloyd is really going to have to work on. His skills over the summer, if he really wants to get that regular position on the team next year. Oh yeah. Um, because sure. you got to fill Matt McQuay's spot, and then when Cassius leave, you got to fill Cassius's spot too. Um, I do I believe Cassius Linson's coming back to this team next year. Yes. Yeah. Um, one final thing, real quickly before we move on, I'm I'm. They also released the way too early top twenty five poll. No, did they? Yep. For the 2019-2020 season, Michigan State. Leads that pack, ranked first in the nation. Hey. Followed closely behind Marquette Golden Eagles, Kentucky Wildcats, 
Cavaliers in the fourth spot, Villanova Wildcats in the fifth, Duke Blue Devils in the sixth, and Michigan Wolverines in the sweet seventh spot. So that's your way too early. Wait, obviously it's way too early, but I mean, it, it shows why. Michigan State has a solid program. You got solid recruits coming in, and I think moving on forward, we're gonna have, we're gonna see, um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see some more great basketball by this smart program. Absolutely. Um, and I'm excited yeah. to wait till. If there's one thing that this program breeds, it's really good players and a really good ecosystem for their players to grow. And it is, it is because Tom Izzo. And we saw with Miles Bridges and uh, Jarrett Jackson that having an all-star player isn't what your team goes for when you're under Izzo. Yeah, not at all. Right? It's You get good players, really good players, but they're not like all-star players or anything. You're, they're not Zion mm-hmm. Williamson, right? They're not one-and-dones. Yeah. <laughs> and you develop them oh, from God, the freshman Zion. year. You look at Cassius' freshman year to how he is now. And you wouldn't even believe what it is because Cassius worked his butt off mm-hmm. in the program. He earned that spot. And, and, and that's the reason why. And I think Foster Lori has an uh, opportunity to do that. I think Thomas Kithier has an opportunity to do that. Um, I think Gabe Brown, definitely Aaron Henry, so many of these players that has an opportunity to grow. Um, yeah, and everyone ju- has a really good And just to wrap up Michigan State farm basketball season, Sparns, thank you very much for just giving me an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, you know, so many college kids wish that their team could go to the Final Four. Last yeah. time that one was 2015, right? So, as a Spartan, we're blessed that our basketball team is so good that yeah. we're able to experience stuff. And for Impact, we were in Minneapolis covering it. We were sending veteran reporters out in Minneapolis to cover the Final Four next to, you know, big guys, right? Yeah. Impact is on interview Jay Williams from ESPN, one of the college game day guys. Oh, wow. It, it's just a phenomenal opportunity for that our school has received and this radio station has received. Um, and I cannot thank the team enough and for Tom Izzo and for for the entire team and just the caliber because it's so special when I can say 20 years from now to my wife and my kids, where were you? 2019 March Madness final four when your team played against Texas tech. And I could say I was at beat ups <laughs> with my buddy, Justin LaBelle, Mark DeMartini. Watching the cops stroll by. On watching the 20 <laughs> cops stroll by with riot gear on. Which was insane. Watching 15 cops come into the beat-ups to break up a fight or something. I didn't even know. I don't know either. And watch the game and eat wings and literally get fat as I watch sports. Mm-hmm. That's the dream. That's the American dream right That's there. the dream. And, you know, I wish I was in Minneapolis covering it, but you know what? I'll definitely take any day beat-ups and watching the game. But, there we are. You know what? I just had to wrap up basketball season. Of course, I had to talk about it. The one shiny moment. Go check out that video if you'd like yep. to. Um, it's literally all over the place. You could just search up um, one shiny yeah. moment. But with that being said, it's it's a humble moment for me. Um, and Very humbling for all it's, of us. It's humbling here. for all of us. Basketball season is over. Um. Day, I, 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 I'm excited for it to come back yeah. in the winter uh, and see what it is. But that also means football season is right around the corner. That does. The green and white game is this Sunday, by the way. I believe at 2 o'clock, I believe, is kickoff, 2 it's or 1 o'clock. Saturday, right? 
or Saturday. Yes, yeah. I lied. One or two o'clock. I for I don't know exactly what time it is. It'll be on BTN, I believe. Um, really, the green and white game's gonna be on. BTN? Yeah, they just they just cover it for you know because oh. there's yeah. So yeah, that's that. Take an eye on potential prospects that uh got signed over to the uh, team. No, it's green and white game. It's just a, it's just it's just a spring game. It's a spring football game. It's just a spring football game. Gets the guys. Um, well, yeah, no, I it's it just seemed weird seeing that. Uh, well, there's there's be been a couple early too. there's been a couple early uh recruits and it's this Saturday at two p.m. at Spartan Stadium. Tickets are free. Um, by the way, for that, if you folks want to drive up to East Lansing, um, or if you're on campus and listening in student. Yeah, it's do free we to, do we grab those beforehand? It's free. Or? It's just free. Just you show just up to get. Yep. So oh, perfect. Um, but green and white game, this uh, Saturday, two p.m. Eastern daytime. Back to some football action. So basketball season yeah. ends, and just give it what four months and mm-hmm. back to back to football. But <laughs> with that being said, though, I know that took up half an hour section, but I feel like it deserved half an hour. To wrap up the season, to talk about Final Four, you know, mm-hmm. because got to get all that out there. Because to me, it's just it's hard when basketball is done. It just is, man. <laughs> I just I just love the sport so much. But anyways, with that being said, we're gonna move on to some what music. Seems like forever. No, yes, <laughs> uh, I know Justin's been eagerly waiting to talk yeah. about it, but. Dio's back on tour as a hologram, according to you. Yes. Um, And And it's super weird, at least to me. Hey, I feel like, have you ever watched a South Park episode a while back? I don't even know how many years that is back. It was when it was uh, Michael Jackson was a hologram. Oh, no. (laughs) And, like, there's, like, a bunch of hologram ghosts. Oh, no. I don't know if I remember that I remember. I forgot. I forgot exactly what. But it's funny because we actually talk, talk about the Michael Jackson hologram in oh, this next goodness. story. Oh, All right, so, so I wanted to mention that, but here we, we shall go. Hold on. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel like I feel like they've had enough of me talking about sports for a second, so we'll whip it over <laughs> to some hologram talk. Perfect. Woo! So, uh, Ronnie James Dio, for those of you who don't know uh, or don't know of the band Dio, is a metal and rock icon to a lot of people uh, growing up, and. <laughs> Most people might have heard of, like, one or two of their songs. At least I know of, like, Holy Diver is one of their big ones. You know, dun, 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 Holy Diver, like that one. That can song. you stop with the singing on the show? Hey, no. We can never stop. If oh, you can, goodness. I can, man. It's, like, half my job. It's half your job? <laughs> well, yeah, with the band and all that. But uh, I didn't know you could sing. Yeah, yeah. That's literally what I do in my band. I'm giving you crap. Come on. I know. Come on. <laughs> Anyways. And I love you for it anyway. <laughs> but uh, most of the most people have a song or two from Dio that come to mind. Holy Diver is a big popular one in terms of that whole branch. Or if you ever saw the movie Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, uh, Dio was one of the rock icons that started little young Jack Black on his journey to epically rock the world with Cage, Jables and Cage. One of my favorite movies. I one of one of my favorite movies for sure. Uh, but the one and only Ronnie James Dio, some of you might recall, had passed away on May sixteenth, twenty ten. So it'll be coming up on nine years after his death. Here, it's already been that uh, long. Yeah, of stomach cancer. He died. It's already of... been that long since Dio's been gone. Yeah, it's been nine years. Yeah, 
Dude, coming up on May 16th. I know I'm 19, and I know you're, what, 21. Mm-hmm. But that makes both of us feel old. Like, exactly. Not, <laughs> just saying. And if you're, you know, like 50 listening to this, and you're like, dude, you guys are young. So sorry, <laughs> but I just had to put it out there. Anyways. No one's young when it comes to music. <laughs> but Hey, I he second passed, that. I second that. He passed away on the 16th in 2010. Uh, due to stomach cancer and going through a bunch of treatments for that. He passed away of the disease on that day in Houston, Texas. Uh, so it might come as a surprise to hear that he's going back on tour with some of his former bandmates. Uh, he actually isn't the first one to come back post-mortem, and we'll touch on a couple of those later, but he's a new U.S. run of the Dio, Retour- Dio Returns Tour, We'll see Dio on stage with former bandmates and Dio Disciples musicians, so, which is like a cover band of Dio. So is it is Dio the only one going to be in hologram form? Everyone else will actually physically be there, or what's the plan here? Uh, yeah, uh, Dio's going to be the one that's going to be featured primarily on the hologram because, I mean, who could really replace Dio at that point? True. But uh, other, other spots filled in for the band will be covered by... Uh, the Dio Disciples musicians, as well as former bandmates that are still alive right now. Makes uh, sense. Makes they sense. ended up uh, doing a tour recently, I think out of the UK there, the UK and uh, the EU over that way, of the Dio Returns tour as well. So this is shouldn't be the first time that a lot of people tuning in could be lis- hearing about this, mm-hmm. but uh, it's the first time that the US run of it is coming on in, which is why so I'm definitely to talk first about time it. that'll be... You know, here for Americans. Yeah, here to see, here to witness just what craziness is happening here. Uh, he will, Dio, like I said, will be put on the stage as a hologram. And uh, this isn't probably the first time you've heard about holograms being on stage with uh, real artists at this point, real live artists. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've heard about it uh, on and off now. For Yeah, one of the most famous examples probably was back in 2012 here at uh, Coachella when an image of Tupac came on stage and performed with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. And I, I remember that. that. was pretty cool. Which was one of the first times that we ended up seeing technology like that. Yes. Uh, and... It will probably come as just a surprise, too, especially to everyone who was in attendance at that Coachella event to see Tupac just rise from the bottom of the stage and be like, what up, Coachella? And I was watching the video for it before all of this, and it was just the weirdest thing to me. I'd, and it's not really for any like super specific reason. It's a whole lot of just like... I feel like when it comes to artists passing away, uh-huh. there's a part of me that would want to see them perform it again, but there's also a part of me that wouldn't want to see their image tainted or like see their image I, being I, I taken think, advantage of. I, I know what you're talking about. I think yeah. it has to be perfected yeah, as much as possible. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to... Here's, here's what this reminds me of. A little, little bit of a sidebar, but yeah. just to make a point. Have you seen Ocean's... 12 before. No, no. I okay, not great movie. Movies. But anyways, um, one of, in Oceans of 12, they're trying to steal a golden egg, basically, that's worth a lot of money okay. from a museum. And they use this hologram technology to essentially put a decoy on yeah. there. And obviously CG, right? Yeah. Um, but the point is that, like, it looks realistic. And if they could do the same thing, with these holograms. Yeah. That could be the same thing. For example, another example for you, the Pepper's Ghost Effect. Do you know that? No. A lot of theme parks use it. It's a plane of glass, 
There's okay. a camera on the back. And there's a plane of glass, and they reflect it off. And that's why it becomes a uh, hologram, and they can walk around to it. Oh. Um, they use that in... Um, they use that effect in the, if you've been to Disney World or Disneyland, another Disney reference. Uh, <laughs> Good God. <laughs> the Haunted Mansion. Really? They the use big that hall, the thing. big hall scene. Oh. The big hall scene where there's like yeah, dinner kinda... going on and everything. Um, and, you know, all the ghosts are eating dinner and then the big dining hall. That's using the Pepper's Ghost effect. Oh. Um, in Universal, when there was a ride called Twister. Okay. Um. They use actually right after Twister. What was the ride? No, it wasn't Twister. It was uh, oh gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Disaster. There we go. Disaster. Disaster. Okay. Uh, a major motion picture. That yeah. ride that's currently now now defunct, and it's uh the uh the uh the mummy ride, whatever the heck that mummy ride is called. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I guess I guess some of y'all can uh, help me out on social media, <laughs> but um, uh, oh, Return of the Mummy. I think yeah. it's a, right? But anyways, now that's filled by that, but um the Pepper's Ghost effect was used in disaster as well. Um so celebrities can essentially interact. Um and it's it's a common tool that's used in the entertainment industry. Um I don't know if that's exactly what they're using in this situation or not. It kind of is uh to an extent. But regardless, <laughs> um, it they, they got to perfect it. Yeah. You know, my my entire 3 minute rant there was they got to perfect it. Yeah. And, the, and there is a whole science behind it and a whole slew of things that you have to account for that go into making something like that. And like you said, with time, it can be perfected and made into something that is legitimately there. Uh, another example of a hologram artist, for sure, just to go back to uh, the artist side of things, but a same form of like the hologram technology was Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson ended up being uh, <laughs> performing at the 2014 Billboard Music Awards on stage. To I remember everyone's that. surprise. I remember that. Uh, in much the same way to celebrate. Uh, I forget what it was celebrating. I believe it was the anniversary of his life or whatever uh, at that point. Uh, pardon me for not being super familiar, but that's another example of like new holograms being used, at least for artists and uh like Ukaru mentioned, these have been in production for quite some and, time. And these theme parks, and I, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna continue perfecting this technology, yeah. not only for you know musicians and you know getting these people back, yeah, but also for entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. right? No longer do you have to make an super inexpensive animatronic to portray a character, whether that be you know at Coachella for you know I don't know like a. Here, look at yeah. you know a replica of Dwayne the Rock Johnson and how big he actually is, you know. Yeah. Versus now you can use this technology to go through, but um, hey, yeah, they do it all the time in like uh, different parts of like the Eastern world. At that point, uh, Hatsune Miku is mm-hmm. probably one that comes to everyone's mind. Uh, that's a huge artist out that way, but it's all hologram. Yes, it, they're a digital band. Or like gorillas, gorillas. Is yes, gorillas. Band. There you go. Though I don't know if they've used the same hologram technology live on stage. They might just have a screen with them and then have the actual people who portray these individuals on stage performing them. Who knows? Because I know uh, I forget his name. Um, the, the lead singer of Blur is actually on stage with them. Uh, I believe it's Dan something. Uh, pardon me for n- not 
knowing the name off the <laughs> top of my head. Uh, but I do know the name. It's just not coming to me yet. <laughs> so while we wait for the name. Yeah. So uh, the hologram tech that you're probably thinking of uh, for those listeners at home as well as on Facebook Live here, it's probably not the ones you normally would think about. Uh, not like sci-fi tech uh, or a 3D recreation even. But it's rather a 2D picture placed on a screen that has been used in, like, theater productions as well as, I guess, Universal at that and point. Theme parks. And Dis- theme parks. Disney, Universal, throughout the world. Yeah, and it gives sort of the illusion of 3D without having to spend massive amounts of money to try and recreate it's, it's something cheap. digitally 3D. Basically what it is is it's, a pr- it's to put it simply, yeah. projector, glass, or reflection, and that's it. Yeah, as anyone would probably be able to tell you that trying to – as well as myself for being uh, an engineer uh, behind the computer most of the time. Uh, Trying to plot something in 3D is a massive amount of trying to just place dot after dot after dot in different areas that might not be, uh, like, exact. It's not an exact science at that point. But uh, it's what ends up giving off this 3D-ish image is a giant invisible film that is like super fine, super like mesh like, uh, that goes right behind the artists on the stage, uh, and they're given an LED projector, and they project this image onto the screen. At that point, now some people end up pre-programming it to follow a routine for that and make films of it and then post it onto there others have an entire program that just runs off of the led projector um i'm not too sure what happened in the case of tupac or uh michael jackson's image on there but it followed sort of the same format you had the led image going up onto this mesh screen played in tandem with it and put into the background of music. And then you have all of these other artists featured right alongside of them to the point where it's just this entire giant thing. And it's quite incredible, but also quite fascinating at that point. Um, Especially when you get into a bit of the legal hurdles that end up going into some of these things, just to get the third party images or even the likeness of an artist. Uh, who may be trademarked under protection of like family lawyers and management or whatnot. Um, and it just becomes an entire hurdle battle here to get them onto state onto the stage once more, but also a legal battle in order to get their image onto the stage again. And it's just a fascinating thing to me, Takaro. It's uh, <laughs> super. Super weird. I know you were taking some silence here, taking care of some technical difficulties, but it's uh, it's things like that that really start putting into question, uh, which poses a really good ethical question, actually. Please. That should art be preserved if it relies on an artist that is no longer present? Yeah. You know, that's a good question. Or does it cross the line for respect for the dead? Or is it a celebration a of their impact? Here's what I say. I'll just kind of go one at a time, okay? All right. Should the art be preserved if it relies on an artist no longer present? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because we've been doing it for years. Yeah, and I think everyone we've been, can agree. Human community that. has been doing it for years, so that I think is a yes. I don't think anyone will disagree with me on that one. Um, 
Does it cross the line for respect of the dead or is a celebration of their impact like some believe? This depends. Yeah. What does it depend on? Yeah, I'm curious to hear what how your take their is. death was. Yeah. One. Two. I think it depends on if they're pop if they were popular or famous yeah. or something. Popular enough to warrant and a hologram. Three. I'm gonna keep going here. Three. Go for it. Not just popular or famous, but has it been a respectable amount of time since their passing? And this is a hard one. Yeah. Four, I feel like you have you have to get the blessings of their family. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the entire family, you know, like the cousin of the blo- no, no, like the immediate family, right? Yeah. So and the immediate family is really what matters because that's usually so where most of the the legal rights to that artist's correct. Go to so I will go with the spouse, yeah, and the children. Um, but legally speak, I, I should really say whoever has a legal custody of the entity, yeah. Um, that that that's what it that that's what I think. Um, it should be. Um, it is a good ethical question. Yeah, it is a good ethical question, but because I don't because then you take into account like a lot of these other artists that have passed away, like Prince. For example, yes. Imp- uh, Prince actually, I think last year at the Super Bowl, they had an image of Prince during Justin Timberlake's Super Bowl halftime show mm-hmm. where they had his image back behind him on somewhat of the same mesh, but it wasn't a hologram. It was more playing a video. Yeah, no, no, no. I remember, I remember this, and that was really cool. Yeah. And I think and that was sort of an in memoriam type But it's thing. a tribute. A tribute. It's a tribute to Prince Rain. because, you know, of the native. Yeah. It, it's. For me, now, what sense putting into your context, your criteria, it's probably super early to start thinking about hologram tech for Prince. Not necessarily. Well, he died in 2016. I know, but Prince is prime. Like, what he's known for, his, how do I want to put it? Famous, you know, when it was like on the peak, let's say. Yeah. That wasn't 2016. Does that make sense? Kind of. That's way long ago to me. So I think it's more of whoever has the legal entity to bless that. Do they allow it? Yeah, and I suppose you have a point. Um, bec- I, I guess in terms of, uh, like, Michael Jackson, for example, exactly. he died in t- 2009. But with that, Michael Jackson has his, right now, Jackson has this entire, all, for lack of better words, scandal. His post-mortem scandal. There we go. Which scandal is whole, going on at, you know, at Neverland. Again, and, a whole other topic. A whole other topic into. that we'll event, probably touch at some point, Maybe. somewhere. But, yeah, no, he... Back when he passed away, it was a huge controversial thing. And to see him five years later in 2014, that would be a big thing. And I don't think there's ever a solid answer. Yeah. I think it just comes up to if there's any network that wants to do some sort of tribute to him or her. Yeah. Um, And and the controversies definitely play a role as well. Like, 
in the case of Tupac, he, he was worse. He was respected, but I he shared his own length of controversy. Yes, but I don't think. And I don't think. And in light of recent artists that have passed away as well, like, like not I'm not talking about like the huge heavy hitters like Prince and all them. I'm talking like some of the ones that you hear uh, might not hear too much about, like Little Peep and XXX Tentacion. You'd probably more often see a hologram of little peep versus well no of course no but i'm saying just because that person had controversy doesn't automatically fit into that realm of they don't deserve to be you know yeah and because if if, 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 no no no, it's more of a matter of like because every human is going to make mistakes that's just a fact yeah i've made plenty you made plenty every list viewer every listener has made plenty and that's what it is. Yeah. And because they're famous, even a little mistake can be seen as big because people look up to them. Their children look up to them, and they don't want you know their children all of a sudden to follow follow what they do because their children respect them. Absolutely. You know, like almost like a father or a mother, like vigor. But it just depends on. For me, it depends on a case by case scenario. Mm-hmm. And the most the most important thing for me is they have to have the blessing of the family. Yes. But it has to be, if they don't bless it, it has to be a reasonable reason. It can't just be we don't bless it because blah, whatever. It has to be, like, for example, it could be we're not going to bless it because we know, you know, producers are just going to use it right and left and make a bunch of money out of it. Okay. Yeah. I I get that. Versus. Kind of a scum move there. Correct. Versus we're not going to use it because we just don't want to, you know, deal with that anymore. Like, I think that, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it has to be a reasonable reason, which. I'm thinking 99% of the time it will be if they say no. But the the biggest thing for me is you have to get the blessing of of them, mm-hmm. the family, and the public's perception has to be it's been enough time that we paid respects to the artist. Yeah. That's my take on it. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good note to end on here with this story. Uh, and we'd like to pose that same question to you. Do you think maybe uh, some – do you think this artist hologram trend should keep going in this matter? Do you think it respects their legacy or do you think it tarnishes it a little bit? Let let us know what you think using the hashtag the chant and following all of our social media stuff, which we'll plug towards the end of the show, but it'll be the chant at or at the chant underscore WDBM on, on Twitter, Twitter and dot WDBM on Facebook. Correct. So uh, and also, if you're interested in seeing the Dio Returns tour in the U.S., uh, the tour will hit Detroit on June 11th at the Fillmore and tickets are on sale now. If you want to be a part of this experience as opposed to being at like some feel free to check that out i think yeah the billboard music awards (laughs) feel free to check that out if you folks are interested now from one speedy topic to another (laughs) we've got some formula one coming on up and uh we're gonna be rushing through this too (laughs) (laughs) i see what you did there so formula one chinese grand prix this weekend in shanghai uh let me throw that time out there real quick 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 I can't, I can't talk. I feel like every episode I can't talk. Hey, it happens. Sunday, April 14th, which is uh, will be four days from the time of this recording. Yes. Um, 2.10 a.m. Eastern because of the time difference. I think they're going to do a rerun later that day on ESPN2, Shanghai International Circuit. I believe 56 laps also for um, this Grand Prix as well. Um, but before we get into that, yeah. I want to go back to two weeks ago 
with the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, and we'll just continue following uh, F1 season here, Formula 1 season here on the Impact. Or on the Impact, on the chant. <laughs> <laughs> We're <laughs> By, a part of Impact. We're part of Impact, yes. But I just want to kind of go down um, the race results and the rankings real quickly. So coming in first for that race, Lewis Hamilton, a Mercedes, followed by Valtteri Bottas. In third was Charles Leclerc. Ooh. And in fourth was Max Verstappen. And then rounding out the top five table, Sebastian Vettel. Max Verstappen was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, from Red Bull Honda. Correct, right? Red Bull Racing. Yeah. Red Bull Racing, correct. We took quite a bit of interest the last time we talked yes, about Yes, which was right before this Bahrain Grand Prix. Yes. Um, about, I believe, Two or three, two weeks ago, I believe. It's been a little bit. Um, but from the top five order, Hamilton and Botas one and two are Mercedes, mm-hmm. so they get it. Just flip their positions. So, uh, because in the um, uh, very first Grand Prix, um, of the season, the Australian Grand Prix, Botas yeah. got first over his teammate. Um, and then Charles Leclerc of Ferrari, which I want to touch on in a second. Um, got third. He should have gotten first. We'll talk about that in just a moment <laughs> right. here. In fourth was again Max Verstappen, as Justin just mentioned, of Red Bull Racing. Um, yep. we're gonna talk about more of that. And then in fifth, Vettel is again from Ferrari. So Mercedes top two, Ferrari gets a podium and a fifth place finish, and Red Bull Racing again on the top five. I like seeing that. Yeah. Um, time wise, Hamilton one hour thirty uh thirty four minutes and twenty one point two nine five seconds. Add 0.298 for Botas, 6.131 for Leclerc, 6.408. So just three, less than three hundredths of a second between Leclerc and Verstappen. Very close race, then. Uh, between the two of them, correct. Between two of them, yeah. Um, and then Vettel, 36.068 behind Lewis Hamilton. That is your finish for Formula One Golf Air Bahrain Grand Prix 2019 race. Um, moving into kind of what I want to talk about. Yeah. A, we're seeing Hamilton and Botas finishing Mercedes in top two, right? And if you compare that to the Australian Grand Prix that happened about a month, what, a month ago now? Oh, God. <laughs> um, you think, same thing, just flip the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. Charles Leclerc was literally racing forward, leading this thing like no man's land um, towards... Oh, left quite a bit of a gap behind him. Toward, towards, towards, towards the end of the... Uh, and end of the end of the race, Leclerc had he literally passed by his teammate Sebastian Vettel, who finished in fifth in the inaugural lap, quickly regained his lead ahead of Vettel, and then, um, kind of let his teammate know in lap five that they're gonna regroup together, and that's kind of what the situation was. Um, then got passed by Bottas and Hamilton and gained himself the lead actually for the race, um, on pace until lap forty six, eleven laps shy of the first place finish. Oh. Leclerc had a engine trouble. Oh, now, no. initially, it was thought to be an ERS issue, which, if I define um, ERS, that is called engine recovery system. So there's so much po- uh, power going through the system, right? The ERS is what recovers that, basically, and yeah. feeds it back to the racing car so they can use that kinetic energy. The electrical and kinetic energy, right? Electrical yeah. energy, make it a kinetic energy and basically make it faster than what it really should be. However, that's what they initially thought the issue was. Eventually, they determined after the race there was an engine uh, failure. There was something that was wrong with the engine. Um, mm-hmm. Due to that, 
due to the engine failure, Hamilton and Bottas both got by Leclerc. Now, yeah. Verstappen should have gotten by Leclerc, and Leclerc shouldn't have gotten a podium finish by the times I finished. However, and this is when things get interesting. However, Renault, they, both of those cars had engine problems. So, that would be Nico Hulkenberg and Daniel Ricciardo. Three laps shy of the, ra- the end of the race. 54. Lap 54. Okay. They had an issue. Both, literally, I swear to you, both, both of these cars, issues. these engines just died on them. Like, literally died on them in the race. Oh, wow. They, they both went off right at the same, I forgot which turn it was, but the same spot, and it, they were just done. They were just done. It was just engine issues. Which means, um, which, which tells me that Renault obviously had, you know, issues with their engine, which both of the racers were down. And on top of that, they weren't doing well at all. They were like, what, 8th, ninth, I believe, and they were in that nice, meaty, meaty, gutty spot. Yeah. They didn't finish the race, both of them, which means Renault didn't get any points. But I mentioned this because, okay, well, that's a, that's, that's a whole different topic about Renault and, you know, what are they up to nowadays, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, what exactly well, they They're struggling they a lot, with the, right? Yeah. Like I talked about the first initial uh, Grand Prix. But it also brings up the issue of the race ended under a safety car because of this. Really? Because they're, because both of the cars were off and there are racers going on, they can't have them going full full force, right? Because if they get into an accident, it could be people could be dying. Yeah. Absolutely. So the safety car comes out just like Nats, just like any other race, NASCAR, IndyCar, you name it, comes out and does their circuits. But they had to clear not just the racers, but they had to clear the the actual physical vehicles themselves. Yeah. By the time they cleared the physical vehicles, they already were into lap. Uh, they were done with lap fifty seven, or at least into lap fifty seven. The safety car cannot go into pit row until it comes all the way around because it's not a virtual safety car. And for those of you who don't know what virtual safety car is, virtual safety car is exactly what it is. Virtual. That is when cars are supposed to keep a specific distance between each other and there's multiple checkpoints throughout the track. And they have to stay within a certain speed limit depending on certain sections and you just have to stay behind each other. But because of a, an accident, or in this case an engine failure at a caliber like this one, Yeah. A safety car came out. It was just a standard safety car came out, which means all the cars can chunk up together. However, due to the fact they came at the end of the race, they don't add laps. They just continue. So the race ended under a safety car mm. because you can't go over past them until the safety car leaves and that lap ends. In other words, you have to go by the line, the lap yeah, line, you gotta follow the safety until car. the safety car goes. Every car has to... Go pass by, right, the line before they can pass per rule, per uh, the FIA rule, yeah. which is the uh, administration of Formula One. Um, which, that because of that, Hamilton was on first in first place at that time. Bottas was in second. And then Verstappen in, um, or not, excuse me. Excuse me, I cannot talk. <laughs> Hamilton? Botas, um, oh my gosh, why can't I talk? Happens, Hamilton, Botas, Leclerc, Verstappen, right? Yeah. Th- that that was the finishing order. Um, and then Vettel. Yeah. But Leclerc was having engine issues, so slowly Verstappen was gaining time on him. But because of the safety car, 
Charles Leclerc got to keep uh, his podium. Now, that's his first podium finish, and obviously that's not the way you wanted to finish. No, but that still got him 16 points instead of 12 points that Verstappen got for his team. So, big break for Ferrari, first off. Yeah. Especially Leclerc. But a very close. But B, very close race. that brings up the issue of Renault. Yeah. They're having engine issues early on to the season that we haven't seen in a while. So, are they really the caliber of the team? The strength that they used to have, right? Yeah. Honda used to be like that. We talked about this the last time I talked about Formula 1. Honda used to be like that. They had their own racing team back in 2008. Um, and then they quit for a few years. Then they came back in 2014, if I recall correctly. Um, and had their uh, joint venture of McLaren racing. Yeah. Then McLaren dropped them, so they went to Toro Rosso, which is Red Bull's secondary team. Then Red Bull noticed that Honda has a great, you know, Honda has potential. They dropped Renault to get Honda. People were bringing Austin Martin Red Bull Racing backlash to that. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, Renault's having engine issues in the second Grand Prix of the season. So that brings up an issue of are we seeing a generational shift into dominant engines? Because for the second race in a row, we're seeing Max Verstappen finish fifth. Yeah, I, with in the in the or in I, excuse bring, me in the top five. It brings trouble for Renault as well to just uh, have that type of engine failure this early on. Either someone has to go back to the drawing board at that point and try to figure out what's going on. It's it's an engine issue. They got to figure out yeah what's going on and um. Or otherwise, they just completely blow any chance that they have to get a podium finish. It's, 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 to me, it reminds me a lot of when people were giving me backlash about Honda, uh, about Honda engines and they, how they yeah. couldn't perform. That's, that's what it reminds me. Um, like a role reversal at this point, now that they've, Honda's partnered up correct. with Red Bull during Now, this with event. that being said, McLaren, Renault did finish sixth with Lando, uh, Lando Norris getting in sixth place. But again, different body, right? Yeah. Because not only are you taking consideration the engine and the body. But both together, so that's that's uh, what brings it up. Another point to bring up: Pierre Gasly in this race finished eighth for Red Bull Racing Honda. Therefore, he got four points. So not only are we seeing Pierre Gasly end up in the uh, top ten to get points for his team now, all of a sudden, which you can argue not only has he improved as a racer, but he's also using a better vehicle. Yeah. With the same body of a Red Bull, with a better engine, and then obviously Max Verstappen, your primary racer driver, doing good in fourth. Mm -hmm. So this tells me that we're seeing a generational shift. Obviously, Mercedes and Ferrari still leading the charge here, but now Red Bull Racing Honda all of a sudden is in this picture early on. Yeah, which, right. If and you obviously, told me Honda was going to be in a picture at all, it'd be weird. And obviously, I'm going to have to. We're going to have to, you know, keep looking at this and keep doing this analysis as the season goes on. But yeah. to me, to me, it shows me that Red Bull Racing Honda is even that much stronger. Mm -hmm. Because if it weren't for Charles Leclerc with engine failing, then all of a sudden we could be looking at Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, and now Max Verstappen fighting for that 2-3-4 spot. And if Sebastian Vettel was able to get enough momentum in this race in Bahrain, he could have been fighting for that spot as well. So this just tells me. All in all, what this tells me is that we're seeing a generational shift 
Yeah. Potentially. And Honda is no longer for now the weakling. Yeah. The no. the cr- the, the, cra- the crap face per se, you yes. know. Honda engine no 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 that's that's not the case anymore. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. But again, both Renault cars for team Renault falling short due to the fact their engine failures. We also saw Carlos Sainz and McLaren Lenal go out with a car trouble and Romain Grosjean for Haas Ferrari not finish. Yeah. Um but again, I am super excited because right now the engine manufacturers that are in the Formula One per by brand, Mercedes Ferrari Honda, Renault. That's the, the, the those yeah, are the engine the providers, yeah. and then just teams either you know, bonding you know teaming up or whatever. So for example, we look at the secondary team for Red Bull, which is Toro Rosso, which is Scuderia Toro Rosso Honda. They finish ninth and eleventh respectively for Alexander Albon and Antonio Giovinazzi. Albon got two points from his team, so even their secondary team is doing pretty well. And Albon was right behind Pierre Gasly, who Gasly, like I said, mentioned eighth. Yeah. So we're seeing a generational shift here. We're seeing, um, we're we're seeing what I like to what I want to expect is some movement in the Formula One world that I have yeah. I wanted to see because I'm tired of Mercedes winning all the time and Ferrari winning all yeah. the time. And these type of shakeups will definitely if keep we can get the more if we can see Red Bull Racing continue doing well, I think the Formula One scene is going to be more exciting. More fans are going to go through, and you know what that garners too? It garners the Asian audience, specifically the Japanese audience, more when you when Honda drives well. Absolutely. Um, and the fact that you see Red Bull, Austin Martin, Red Bull Racing, and Honda team up again—that's another significance when it comes politi- politically, just as a symbol of the the um the connection that the United States and Japan has. Yeah, you know, in this case, in auto racing, which is a symbol of the connection they have in the automotive industry. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's again, so that's again another symbolism type of thing. But, anyways, for me, my take on this because I was watching this game as I was board hopping the elite eight game, I believe it was something like that. But to me, Charles Leclerc struggling with an engine. Problems for Ferrari, that was big. Both Renault cars not finishing, that was big. And then Red Bull Racing of Max Verstappen, who's a phenomenal driver, finishing in fourth, That's that big. was big. That's my biggest key points about it. Again, we'll talk about uh, F1 coming up in a couple of weeks again when we hit that time. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I love I love talking, you know, auto racing. Yeah, as I'm many excited as... to see what type of shift we'll end up seeing uh, happen the next couple races So, again, here. just want to throw it out there. This Sunday, April 14th, 2.10 a.m. Eastern uh, Daytime on ESPN2, Shanghai International Circuit. They will be at live. They will do, um, ESPN2 will also do a, uh, uh, what is it, a replay of that later on in the day for those folks who don't want to wake up early. Or um, aren't awake at 2.10 a.m. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> That'll be a huge So one. that's it for my auto racing stuff, or I should say Formula One stuff. I love talking 
about Formula One. That's like my baby. I don't know if you enjoy me talking about it. But... Yeah, no, it's I found it interesting, and, and, I, and, especially and, not being super into like the racing sort of thing. To hear some of the moves that are happening in there, and and for those big. listeners and viewers on Facebook Live as well, let me know specifically what kind of sports stuff that you want me to focus on as well. Because at the end of the day, I want to yeah, make sure I feedback. garner this show for you folks uh, and bring you the you know the hottest in music and sports news, but. Um, <laughs> But with that being said, we're gonna yeah. dive into our final topic. So, which I don't know how hot this one will no, be. No, but you know, you know. Okay, so when when it, for me when, when when you mentioned PC, yes, for me the first thing I think about is PC principal and the PC yep, Pratt in South Park. <laughs> and I'm like, no microaggressions will be. Yeah, found I'm here. like politically correct principal, politically <laughs> correct frat, politically, and I'm like, okay, yeah, enough. It's it's hard to imagine the fact that now PC is not known for personal computer and more for politically correct. Well, now you know now you got the MacBook and the laptop and the desktop yeah, you, and the, there's all. Yeah, but the PC. No is one uses PC anymore. No one uses PC anymore. Well, this company does. Well, this, huh? Well. So, <laughs> Wait, how, off, does, how does this relate to music? First off, have you ever heard of PC music? No. No. Well, I've heard of, like, what is it, like, MIDI music and stuff like that, but not PC. It's, okay, so it's not exactly the same thing as MIDI instruments. MIDI instruments being, uh, for those of you who might not be familiar, MIDI instruments are the instruments uh, some music mixing softwares offer when uh, you might not have, like, your own rig for them which allow like most modern artists to add their own effects to something like let's say you don't have like a piano on hand you can use one of the digital pianos and maybe even some people have like a rig board to them uh where you can play physical keys instead of like WASD I notes. mean that's what our audio team does is that they use MIDI music and to create I mean our intro yeah. is different but uh the play by play intro that Connor Lynch again shout out to Connor Lynch and the audio team um they created it was all MIDI music Yeah but in a way, that's all electronic instruments, electronic music, basically. Yes, yes. Uh, but the reason we're going to be talking about PC music and sort of this electronic music today is because I ran into a video on YouTube the other day, posted on April 5th, and I ended up covering this label slash genre I wasn't exactly aware of. And we'll, uh, we'll be sure to link that uh, over to the impact radio website impact 89 fm.org org, underneath this chant uh episode but uh i will be basically summarizing that video and leaving that to you for your full viewing discretion uh so pc music literally stands for pc music personal computer music uh mu computer-based music in a tech savvy environment Hmm. Uh, this ended up starting back in 2013 by a British producer known as A.G. Cook, who created the label called PC Music. <laughs> Come on, uh, get creative, man. Well, no, that's what it started off as, and it evolved into its own subgenre. Okay, so I, I is... talked I talked earlier. Okay, yeah. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> uh, but the goal of this PC Music label was, uh, and there's a direct quote of it in the video that I throw on to here as well, uh, and its goal was to record people who don't normally make music and treat them as if they were major label artists. By the way, that's a quote from straight from them, correct? Yes. Um, yeah. Just want to mention out from there. AJ Cook as um, well as the but, video. But, huh? Record people who don't normally. What does normally make music mean? Well, 
you have uh, some artists out there like uh, like a Michael Jackson who we talked about earlier. Well, or... no, I get that, but like, does does uh like I don't know does do you count as normally make music or? Well, kinda. Because like you're a student, but obviously you're in a band. Um, you know. Yeah. That like I, I could I... go like I could physically go watch you at gigs and stuff, right? Versus I don't know. For example, me. All I was I was in a choir, and if I work, you know, if I go to a vocal teacher or whatever and get my voice working again and sing i can sing music again and does that does that still count as normally like what yeah, defines I'm, normal i'm not quite sure of the distinction that he ended up trying to make onto there like i said this was back in 2013 before anything started oh my bad like normal was way. so different back but, in 2013 yeah you know? but normal normally make music i would assume means not a whole lot of experience behind their belt about how to like make something mm. uh but treating them as if they were major label artists. So maybe that leaves all of the hands into producer hands, leaving the music in terms of producer hands and making them sound as if they were meant to be major label artists. Fair enough. Uh, so that would be my take on it. But uh, I, I can understand why that would be confusing. Uh, within a year and a half after this project began, he ended up dropping 40 plus songs onto SoundCloud. Goodness gracious. With uh, various amounts of artists who ended up coming onto this way. Uh, some that come up to mind are QT, which is short for Quinn Thomas, uh, Hannah Diamond, GFOTY, which stands for Girlfriend of the Year. GFOTY, girl. And uh, Sophie, which we'll come back to in a little bit uh, okay. here, as well as many other artists. 40 plus tracks within that year and a half leading up into. Like September 2014 here. And five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. And every single song from PC Music, as of as in September 2014, had over 100,000 streams on it. Wow. Which was insane to think about at this rate, but shows the sort of reach that some of these art platforms end up giving to artists mm -hmm. and even just new producers and of music and whatnot. Uh. So, disclaimer, the sound isn't normally my style to listen to. Um, it's not exactly <laughs> the one I would find myself coming back to, but it's one that has resonated with quite a lot of people. It's basically like a bubblegum dance pop, if you can think about bubble that. Bubblegum dance pop. Yeah, like sort of very high energy, high pitch sort a of bubble stuff. Bubblegum dance pop. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> um, oh, God. Uh, bright notes. uh a poppy, very energetic, with a largely female vocalist base uh, that end up using, like, pitch shifts to make it even higher than it would be to, like, be on key. Um, they dive into a lot more genres, but it's mainly known for that. Like, it can go from listening to artists on this label slash genre with it resonating with the bubblegum dance pop, but then you start diving deeper into... PC music and seeing like this industrial grunge type music. Okay. And, uh, and it's kind of the same way when it comes to a lot of other labels out there. Like you look at RCA, uh, for example, yeah. which is another example that they posed in the video. Uh, but in that video, they said RCA has a ton of artists that don't sound alike to each other. Like you have Brock Hampton on RCA mm -hmm. along with the Foo Fighters. Yep. Yet you wouldn't have both of them on a tour together. So true. So true. Not not even close. Yeah, no. Not even uh, close. But if you're familiar with uh, the YouTube famous star Poppy at yes. this point, um, 
who is produced under a amazing sounding name of Titanic Sinclair. Uh, both of those two <laughs> under the poppy name uh, kind of have the same situation there where the true artist is sort of separated from the online persona to gr- to give credit more to the persona of that idea rather than the actual person. Yeah, yeah. So it it's almost putting on a character at that point. Putting on a character that is commercially marketable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that's, and that's the key thing that has a lot of people polarized on this label. Uh, a lot of people recently now have started using the term of industry plants. Uh, industry plants? To sort of uh, talk about people who don't exactly fit within the genre or ones that sort of have come up out of nowhere at that point and sort of, Fair. and sort of market the brand as opposed to their own style of music. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest uh, things, especially with uh, like the underground rap scene now. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are like, oh, man, uh, like Lil Xan's just an industry plant or all them. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's a weird sort of diss slash call out to these artists. Uh, but a lot of people have also been polarized by the fact that they've been so focused on embracing consumerism and capitalism in most of their branding. Yeah. Because again, their goal at, with this PC music genre slash label. And I keep saying that because now they've sort of become associated with that bubblegum dance pop. Yeah. That the label is more known for the bubblegum dance pop rather than the genre being that fair. It's, so I kind of keep interchanging the two for PC music versus the label. Uh, but what ends up happening here is that, uh, a lot of these artists on here, like QT, for example, uh, she has her own fictional energy drink. Yeah. Uh, called drink QT. Uh, they had a limited release back around like 2015, by that point. But that's because of the persona. Yeah, that was more because of the persona and more because a lot of people were like, hey, this doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> what are we supposed to actually buy here? But it, it sort of pushes forward that message of, hey, buy our music, buy our product, that, 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 Yeah. Which has become quite prevalent in independent music scenes as well as just music scene in general. But they've been so forthcoming and open about it that it polarizes a lot of its listeners. Yeah. Uh, at rightfully so. Um, bigger names that have been associated with, like the PC music style, mm-hmm. have been Carly Rae Jepsen and X- Charlie XCX, two really? major artists. One of them making a comeback now with uh, Carly Rae Jepsen going back <clears throat> on tour here. Uh, they've been associated with PC music, but not del- signed to the label directly. Yeah, uh, as far as I know. Uh. And have been influenced in a way by this PC music, which trend. makes sense if you listen to both. Like I'm a I'm a Carly fan. Yeah, not gonna lie. <laughs> I like Carly. Um, which which one's your favorite? I don't. I like Carly in general. Like I don't really have a Fair. favorite. Yeah, and again, you it's more of the persona rather, right? It's a lot more persona based rather than yes, but because the music yeah, no, could be no, just there. No. Yes, but. It's also because she's cute. Okay, well. It's um, I mean, I, I like your music and everything. We'll, we'll move on. But it's from also that. because Carly's cute. I mean, Carly Rae Jepsen. Remember when called? When did Call Me Maybe come out? God, that was twenty like, fourteen. No, I feel like it was like twenty twelve, twenty eleven, maybe twenty eleven, twenty twelve. We got we got to figure out when. Yeah. When did Call Me Maybe come out? The Ray release date. Oh, twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. It so was twenty twelve. So it came out in twenty twelve. So what? I was what thirteen. 
13 at the time. <laughs> yeah, Carly Rae yeah. Jespin. I had a big crush on this girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I mean, besides, I liked her music too. But I had a, yeah. But anyways, any a anyways, lot, a lot of that influence comes from PC music. But perhaps it is a persona that she has about this. You know, I'm a pretty very girl, very carefree yes, sort of aspect. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's highly marketable at that point. You're able to brand that and go from there and be like, hey, you want to come see basically your average girl next door perform live and sing really well onto all these songs? Here you it go. It sells. Yeah, it, it does It sells sell. because people can relate to that. You know, yeah. All of a sudden, this girl could be my neighbor. Absolutely. Right? And she can sing great music. There it, you go. It, it, it relates. Uh, so one of the artists that I mentioned on the PC Music label earlier named Sophie has grown to be one of the icons of the label. Some of you might have heard about Sophie at all, uh, but surpassed a lot of the f- former artists that I mentioned earlier and is so far that I know still on the label to this day producing music. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and she's a huge inspiration at this point as being a trans woman in this sort of high power position to be empowering in the LGBTQ Community. community yeah mm-hmm. i forgot if there were other letters and it's uh, lgbtq oh it is it's it used to be lgbt but now they put q no i thought there was like an iaa on there as well i don't I think so to represent I, everyone i i, I think q fits everyone else uh, whoa <laughs> no i mean honestly yeah. uh, lgbtq yeah. but yeah no no but she is a sophie is yeah. a big icon for that yeah, yeah. she's a huge icon uh for that label and for just trans women in general in music uh, but that's sort of the summary of the video. It didn't go into too much. It left a lot open to do your own research, and that's where I'll leave that as well. Like I said, we'll link the video on the website. But yeah, I'll I'll make sure we put a click yeah. here portion. So if you folks are interested, yeah, uh, there'll be a direct link straight to. But that the positivity video. and the fan base, uh, and the inclusivity of this label is really to be admired. Being just like a starter project from one British music producer all the way back in 2013. And uh, making the ideal pop star apparently is not as hard as you'd think mm-hmm. at that rate with the right instrument, with the right sort of plugins on keys. Uh, you, you know, you, you make a great point and I'm glad you ran this video because, yeah. And I think, too. you know, and I think, I think if we take any, anything away from today's episode, yeah. Um, and I don't know why it's kind of been working out like this, but like, Every episode, so that ever since we started titling before we posted it, it's just kind of the title kind of fits into the mantra. And I don't know if March Madness just did that on purpose. If the tournament does that on purpose, it's just March Madness had the stars align. But uh, really, one shining moment. That's I mean, look at it. Let's look at this. March Madness ended one shining moment, right? Absolutely clear. Dio back on tour as a hologram. One shine, literally, literally a shining, shining moment. <laughs> Formula One. Hey, shining is, moment for Red the, Bull Honda. The question, the question becomes: Is it one shining moment for Red Bull Honda, or is it a shining moment that's going to be continued onward? Yeah, and that's a huge. But question regardless, going right now it is it is a one shining moment for our Red Bull Honda. Yes. And then finally for PC Music, again, shining moment for inclusivity. It is. It is one shining moment, and it allows people to. You know, especially for so like artists yeah. like Sophie who identifies under this music style. Yeah. You know, allows inclus- inclusive to, no, 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 
inclusivity. There, you there go. we go. <laughs> and not to mention, it's just going to be interesting to see if this trend sort of keeps going. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious as well. But with all of that being said and the message of the day being brought up like that, that is going to do it for us. You but have... real quick, before we wrap up our show, I oh, know yep. we got to do a shameless plug time because we got to let our listeners. I thought that's what we were doing. Oh, I thought you were going to wrap up the show. I, I was, kind of, but okay, like, we, well, have a, we have a bunch of our own plugs. Yes, all right. LaBelle, well, you're first. Bef- <laughs> we want to thank you for listening to the chant We today. do, uh, deeply. This uh, this has been fun, uh, but we have to get going. Some of us have classes I know, but soon, just that's why you— But we have uh, Shameless Plug Hour. I You can find me on Impact Friday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., as well as uh, you can listen to my band uh, Candles to Campfires on literally everywhere streaming music is sold and like well listened to. And you have an event coming up too, right? Yeah, and uh, a couple of concerts I got coming up. Uh, May, f- God, May twenty fourth, uh, we are going to be at uh, Troy Athens High School out in the southeast Michigan area. Um, Troy, Michigan. Troy, Michigan, specifically, uh, to perform with a bunch of local acts out there and celebrating the arts uh, program over at the school, as well as Saturday, May 4th. That's where I got the confusion. There we go. Uh, May the 4th be with you, folks. Yes, there you go. May the 4th. We are going to be the opener at the Maidstone Theater for Erico, I Am Trouble, and Beyond the Gray. Oh, that's cool. Come on out for that. Tickets are... 12 bucks if you're under 21, 10 bucks if you're over 21. So, uh fantastic couple of events here. Kakaru, you want to you want to plug some stuff My here? stuff. All right, here yeah, we go. We'll plug roll, some stuff roll, and roll we'll, on we'll, out. we'll plug some stuff and talk about the chant real quick and then we'll roll on out. But uh me, uh you can find my personal Twitter at hikarukudo1, h i k a r u k u d o1. It's also in my uh, author bio at the very end of the description if you're on the website you can click on that and that'll have all of the information um that's my twitter that I, I post a bunch of stuff there uh you guys can follow like retweet etc etc yes um green and white report sports uh sportscast another two-hour edition again this weekend coming up a bunch of stuff we're gonna talk, talk a bunch of pro sports coming up this sunday um if you haven't if you're listening in before sunday this sunday every sunday 11 a.m live impact 89 fm.org and on the app as well as uh, uh, the uh, 89FM in the greater Lansing area. Um, yeah, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so, again, um, listen to sports or music on radio at 88.9FM or the web stream. It looks like our live play-by-play for this season is pretty much over yep. now that uh, we currently don't don't have uh, rice for baseball and softball working really? on that. No, oh, wow. it is actually specifically out of the contract that Spartan Sports Network, who has the who has the commercial rights to broadcast all MSU athletics, specifically those two sports are out of there because they have exclusive rights for baseball, softball. Uh, so I'm working on that right see. now um, to try to get those rights here at Impact. Uh, you can always listen to music or sports on radio um, as well at impact89fm.org slash listen live and 88.9 FM. Follow our Twitter for this podcast at the chain underscore WDBM. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thechant.wdbn. We Facebook Live every episode, every Wednesday at some point. Hopefully, we'll be back on this 2 p.m. Yeah. or 2 p.m.-ish the grind. The 2 p.m. grind. Yes. Um, you can and, find all of our content on impact89fm.org slash thechant. The uh, dash chant. The dash chant. Don't forget, don't forget the dash. And uh, finally, finally, probably the most important thing, you can always talk to Justin and I and the show using hashtag 
the chant on Twitter and Facebook. That'll Absolutely. do it for Justin LaBelle and I. We got a busy life. We got a bunch of stuff to do. I got to go edit this busy episode. Wife, busy life, right? That has been episode five uh, titled One Shining Moment because it was One Shining Moment. We that hope to see was. you guys again next week. In next week's episode, you have been listening to The, the Chant. Chant. You have been listening to The Chant, an impact exclusive brought to you by WDBM East Lansing. For all of your music and sports news, visit impact89fm.org.